Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. Welcome to my final episode of 2022. So I am planning to take a break next month. I was going to take the whole month of January off, and then I looked at it and realized that would be three episodes, because January is five weeks long. So I don't think I will do that. I think I will just take two weeks off, and the next episode should come out on January 30th. Tentatively. I just feel like I didn't quite get the break that I wanted in September, because I was sick and had a lot going on. And I could just use another break, and it's my podcast, and I get to do what I want. Anyway, I hope you all have a lovely end of the year and beginning of the new year, and I hope it is kind to all of us. Now, let's get started. This time, we are talking about The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents by Terry Pratchett. I had such a difficult time finding a summary that I liked, and I'm still not very happy with this one. This one comes off the back of the book, but I was noticing on all the websites that they use like a review of the book as the book summary, which doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why you would do that. Anyway, here is the summary. Maurice is a streetwise tomcat with the perfect scam. He's found a stupid-looking kid with a flute, and he has his very own plague of rats. But in the town of Bad Blintz, this little pied piper con suddenly goes down the drain. For this town plays a different tune. A dark, shadowy tune. And something very, very bad is waiting for Maurice and his associates in the cellars. This book was published in 2001. It won the Carnegie Medal, which recognizes the year's best children's book published in the UK. It has apparently been adapted for the stage twice, once as a musical and once by Stephen Briggs, who was the narrator for many, many Discworld audiobooks and apparently adapted something like 20 Discworld books for the stage. I don't know how I didn't know that already. Our author, Sir Terry Pratchett, was born in 1948 and died in 2015. He is best known for the Discworld series, for which he won numerous awards. He was knighted in 2009 for services to literature and received 10 honorary doctorates from various universities in Britain and Australia. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this book at this particular time, is that there is a new animated movie for it coming out in the U.S. in early 2023. I think it is already out in the U.K. or coming out soon. I am tentatively hopeful that it will be good. It looks good from the trailers. But I admit, after, like, the Watch TV show, I'm just a little wary of Pratchett adaptations. But also I love Terry Pratchett stuff, so I live in hope, and I'm gonna go see it, and I hope it's good, and it does look fun. 
Another reason I wanted to talk about this book is because I just like Terry Pratchett, which I feel like I covered in my Guards Guards episode a little bit. I think I have been very restrained in not turning this entirely into a Sir Terry Pratchett appreciation podcast. I've read like nine Terry Pratchett books in the last since I started this podcast, basically, and only talked about two of them over 61 episodes. So I'm keeping it together. I have been reading Terry Pratchett since I was a kid, and I actually haven't read all the Discworld books. I'm working my way through them. I'll get around to it. I think I actually found out about some completely unknown to me Pratchett books recently. Maybe it was just like the short stories that I hadn't read. I don't remember. Okay, getting a little sidetracked. Sorry. Now, while this is technically a Discworld book, I think it stands on its own very well. There's like a slight connection to the Wizards University in Ankh-Morpork, but that could be any Wizards University anywhere, so pre-knowledge of Discworld isn't necessary to understand what's happening here. And The Amazing Maurice is a play on the Pied Piper story. The Pied Piper of Hamelin is, I guess, the origin, or at least one of the earliest versions of it. So the town of Hamelin is suffering from a plague of rats. Enter the piper, who uses his magic pipe to remove the rats from town, which is a completely normal way to deal with a rat infestation. The story then continues that the people refuse to pay, and so the piper uses his magic pipe to lure away their children until they pay up. And I will include a link to the Wikipedia page on the Pied Piper of Hamlin in the show notes, which includes fun facts like there was a stained glass window depicting the story of the Pied Piper in the Church of Hamlin in the 1300s. I just think that's neat. One of the many things that I like about Discworld is that it is a world that runs on stories. I was reading the Science of Discworld book recently, which reminded me that stories are literally what make the Discworld happen. Like, Yes, you can have stories that rely on storytelling tropes and fairy tales, and then you have Sir Terry Pratchett who creates an in-universe element called narrativium, which is vital to the continued existence of the Discworld. Pratchett likes to play with stories to create them anew, and I've talked about this kind of thing before in Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones and kind of in Uprooted by Naomi Novik. You know, fairy tale retellings are kind of popular right around now, or just generally. East was also like a fairy tale retelling, but it was more traditional of a fairy tale, I guess. Anyway, in this book, Pratchett takes the Pied Piper story, a story most people are familiar with, and asks the simple question What if the rats could talk? What if they also had a fast-talking cat named Maurice and a stupid-looking kid named Keith who could play a pipe? Maybe the rats, heavily encouraged by the cat, would turn to crime. The scam is simple. They roll into town, create a plague of rats, tap dance across the kitchen counters. In comes Keith the kid who plays his pipe, and the rats follow him out of town. The kid gets paid... The rats leave, everyone in town is happy. 
It's the kind of story people are very willing to accept because it's the way that the story should go. You know, if there's going to be a plague of rats, then there should be a piper who leads them away. All they have to do to sell the scam is to tell people a story that they want to hear, a story that makes sense to them. But of course, the story won't stay the same forever. The rats decide that the next town they're in is going to be the last con. Which is, of course, when everything goes wrong in heist-slash-con stories, is when they're doing the one last big score. The rats have enough money to settle down somewhere now. They want to take their earnings and find an island or a town or somewhere to create their own society. Because there's nowhere for a society of talking, thinking rats to live. They can't live among humans. Humans tend to scream and run away when a rat says, how do you do? And normal rats are scared of them. And honestly, not very interesting to hang around with anyway. So the next town, the town that's going to be their final big score, is Bad Blintz. A town which claims to already be suffering from a plague of rats. The town is running low on food, and they're paying big money to rat catchers who keep turning in rat tails for reward money. But something doesn't add up. When the talking rats get into the tunnels underneath the city, they don't find any normal rats at all. They find old traps and poisons, but it's eerily quiet and free of rats. Now, Keith the kid, who's the piper, and Maurice the cat, who's the brains of the operation, settle in to start their usual con and are actually quickly found out by the mayor's daughter, Militia, which I've been trying to decide how to pronounce this whole time. Militia, Militia. I think we're just going to go with Militia because it sounds like Melissa. Militia. And Militia is such a fun little gremlin of a girl. She is obsessed with stories. Her whole life, she has been terrorizing this town, looking for fairy tales and mysteries, and if she cannot find them, she will come up with them. Like she drops out of a tree onto someone because she thinks they're the headless horseman. There's a part in the book where the mayor asks what his daughter has been up to because he hasn't seen her all day. And the watchman says, you think something might have happened to her, sir? And the mayor replies, no, I think she might have happened to someone. So Militia sees a mysterious kid with a cat and immediately assumes there's a story there. Perhaps Keith is the lost prince to a kingdom. Perhaps Maurice the cat is a wizard who was caught in a spell. She also steadfastly refuses to accept any evidence that might refute her idea of what the story is. She follows them around, spinning ridiculous stories about who they are and why they're in town. And so there's the mystery of bad blints to solve. Where's the food going? Where are all the rats? And with the talking rats, a girl obsessed with stories, a boy with a pipe, and a quick-talking con artist of a cat they'll figure out what's been going on in town. And without getting too spoilery, it's just that, you know, sometimes humans are worse than rats. Rats at least merely act according to their nature. And maybe, 
at the end. The rats and the town folk will choose to write their own story rather than following the expected script. Now, this is a quick, well-paced story. I listened to the audiobook when I was a kid, and it scared me. (laughs) In kind of a similar vein to Coraline, it's just, you know, sometimes there's just spooky stuff in the basement, okay? (laughs) And I love the way Pratchett handles stories in a world built on stories. Sensible characters go, look, this isn't a story. It's not going to work that way. It's not going to turn out that way. And then someone else will say, but it should work that way. And actually, here's what I've done to make it so that it will happen. And because it is a story, it does work. I just love all the moments in this book where Militia pulls out of her bag the exact extremely random and extremely specific item they need to pull their con off because she sat down and thought through every possible story she might encounter and prepared for it. And I haven't talked much about Maurice, who is the title character, or about his talking rats, but I love them. Maurice being a cat whose only friends are rats because he's a talking cat. And so he finds other cats boring. And so, like, the only people, the only beings he can really, like, connect with are these rats. And then they struggle with it because he's a cat. It's kind of funny. And as for the rats, I probably read this for the first time around when we had pet rats. In this story, the rats pick their names before they really understand words. So they have names like sardines and dark tan and dangerous beans and additives. So you have these silly names alongside a story about rats trying to create from nothing a new way of life based on a new understanding that they didn't ask for and they didn't come by naturally because the reason the rats can talk is that they lived on the trash heap at the wizard's university, and so they would eat all the magical garbage that the wizards threw out, and it changed them. They're trying to create a whole new society with only a talking con artist cat to help them. And then they find, like, a children's book with other talking animals in it, and they don't understand that it's fiction. You know, they're like, this is the only example we have of talking animals, like living together and cohabitating. And so it's like their holy book. And that's just part of the magic of Discworld. Let's start with rats named Dangerous Beans and Dark Tan, and they're pulling a con and you're laughing. And then the book asks, what do you do? When you suddenly gain an understanding of darkness, you never used to be scared of the dark, and suddenly you're surrounded by shadows. And what about the shadows in your mind, the dark corners you're afraid to look at? There's no one to teach you. You have to forge your own path and make your own way, and it's scary. But I really like it. And I like the way it ends. 
you know, every story doesn't get a happily ever after. But, you know, sometimes if you work at it, you can create at least an ever after, you know, a story that continues. Which is sort of vague, but I really don't want to spoil the rest of this book for you. I love it, and I always have fun reading Pratchett. If you want more media like this, try Coraline by Neil Gaiman, which has creepy things in the basement, and Talking Rodents. Also, I hope you go see the amazing Maurice movie, uh, and I hope it's good. I would just really like it to be really good. <laughs> um, join me next time on January 30th. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. It might be the Vorkos Again Saga by Lois McMaster Bujold, because that's what I'm reading currently. But I don't know. Anything could happen. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it, or just share it with a friend. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at BacklogBooks.com, where I have been posting, like, some shorter text reviews, and I will eventually figure out, like, a better format for that. I'm really not pleased with that whole system. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. And thank you for spending this time with me. I hope... You have an excellent end of the year and a good beginning of the new year, and I hope to talk with you again soon.